This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following content is not suitable for children. Let's talk about going deeper, taking risks, showing up in the moment of greatest need for our partner. Okay. What do you think, Lori? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about sexual pursuers and sexual withdrawers and what blocks them, what they're afraid of. All right. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fowler, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. So excited. Lori, another in-person training, Philadelphia, unleashing... The Power of Sex and EFT for Therapists, October 4th and October 5th. This is one of our favorite trainings to do. It's such a need out there to empower therapists to keep their focus better in session and know how to help couples facilitate these bonding conversations through sex. Most of us don't grow up in families talking about this stuff. So get some of the tools that you need, have some fun, engage with other therapists. It's great to be back in person. Oh, yes. It is so great to be in person. We had so much fun in our last in-person training. I mean, people actually laugh at our jokes. And, you know, I got to say some of what we're doing, I think it's pretty cutting edge. We're, we're working on stage one and stage two. For those of you who are therapists in EFT, you'll get what we're talking about. But even if you're not an EFT therapist, there's a lot here that you can learn about how to talk with couples about sex and how to become more expert at it. And if you're a listener and you do have a therapist and your therapist doesn't know about EFT, tell them, you know what, I think you should check this training out. Mm-hmm. I guarantee they're gonna, they'll come out of that training with some new tools, which is, that's what we're in the business of, right? Creating change with new tools. Yes. So come join us in October in Philadelphia. Woo! You're going to get some big fears in these places, right? In that sexual cycle. Ah. You're either reaching out and getting rejected or you're the one who's not in a mood and you're the one who's the problem because you don't want to have sex. And that cycle just beats the hell out of both partners. It it does. I was talking to a client and I really think that the sexual cycle is even more vulnerable than the emotional cycle because it's trusting our bodies. It's such a primitive need to be touched and and then layer that with to be given an orgasm. I mean, it's just so exquisitely vulnerable when our bodies are involved because it's kind of emotional, but it's also physical. And so things get messed up and rejection is so easy here. And mm-hmm. anger is so easy because, you know, we 
we can ask and and then to not have it sort of listened to or met, it, it can just be so frustrating. Absolutely. And I think a lot of couples can make some progress understanding the cycle and seeing mm -hmm. the cycle. Like, yes, this is what we do. Exactly. And they want to work together. But they, so that's the first step, right? Recognizing that cycle, trying to unite against it. Yeah. But going deeper is the real key. Trying to comfort and reassure the fears mm -hmm. actually like discharges the power of a negative cycle and allows them to start replacing it with a positive cycle. So really, let's just take some time to talk about who you want to start with, pursuers or withdrawers. No, just let's start fears? with the pursuers, of course. Of course, yes. <laughs> you know, I think there are so many fears inside about sexual pursuing, especially in, let's say, in a negative cycle. You know, not in a cycle where you're met and matched with the erotic energy that you bring, but in a cycle where you're not. I mean, I, I think one thing is like, it can just feel like I'm too much. That's the big one. I'm insatiable. And, and I think as a woman, I think there is a cultural difference there that there still is a message to women that says wanting sex, wanting sex a lot is you know, makes you a slut or makes you somehow or another a nymph, makes you bad. You know, there's something negative, whereas I think men, sexual pursuers, get affirmation from the culture. That's who you're supposed to be. Nah, I don't totally agree with that. I really? mean, so many men, me. as a sexual pursuer, you, 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 you get portrayed as this simpleton who's just starved for sex all the time, mm -hmm. and it's all about lust, and you're, you're dirty. It's not like a healthy thing it's mm -hmm. you know you you have something wrong with you because you just want this too much yeah you know it's almost like a caricature of you know a, a guy who this is their whole life is just wanting to have sex which is totally misses so much i mean it it, it puts you in this position of needing to defend something that's healthy mm -hmm. but the more you defend it the more you're making the point that it's oh, all yeah. about sex so. oh yeah absolutely and i think you're right I think that there is sometimes a negative image of a man that all he wants is sex and that that's lustful and that he, it's not really seeing him as a whole person mm -hmm. that he wants. Yeah. He has desire. He has lust. He also has intimacy needs and that maybe the way he expresses himself best is sexually, you know, that his love and his energy for his partner are there and it sees him very narrowly. So I agree Maybe there's something bad for both genders, both sexes, yeah. negative messages. But I, I would say in the firehouse, right, you know, your buddies, your guys, you know, it's like you're accepted to have sexual desire. You're expected maybe even to have sexual desire. Do, do you not think that that is an experience? I, I, I do. You know, other men might accept that energy because they share it. Mm -hmm. But if you go out with a group of women how do they feel about you know when they're talking about their husbands and you know here they always want sex and and so yeah but regardless i i think okay, there are I, differences between the genders can i just but, say though that women don't get that acceptance anywhere right because like you just said we're going out with a group of women and the women hear that same message too of like oh my husband wants it all the time you know that they're, they're pushing away the sexual energy that is coming toward them women do not women sexual pursuers don't really have a place where they have affirmation like this is a really good healthy thing 
We get it, not from their peers. So we're in agreement that it sucks for both of them, right? To have this healthy energy. Mm -hmm. And when you try to express it, not only do you get rejected, but you start to think because you get rejected so much, you either, your choice is get angry at your partner or what is it about you why this keeps happening? I mean, to keep getting rejected. And I yeah. do agree, it's probably worse for a female pursuer. Yeah, right? I, and but, I, I think for a woman, the first thing that you know, a woman thinks is, I'm just not attractive enough. I had a guy friend who we knew really well, and this was early in our marriage, and he knew that I probably wanted sex more than my husband did at that stage. And um, he said, show me a woman who wants sex and her husband doesn't want her, and I'll show you an ugly woman. And I was like, thanks, thanks, thanks so much. That was not kind. And I, I don't think and he was conscious. Accurate. I don't right. think he was conscious. I, I don't think he was purposely saying to me, you're not attractive, Lori. I, I don't think that. But, I mean, just that it came out of his mouth, it's like, wow, slam. You know, just slam. It's like, exactly. And that is what internally it feels like. You know, I'm just not desirable, not attractive. And that's why it's so fun, like, when we're doing this podcast together. Because we have both different styles and different realities and different brains. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it was Mark Runger is a comedian. And he talks about a guy's brain is like a waffle. Right. And everything is a little spot and everything's focused and stay on target and fix the problem where a woman's brain is like a bowl of spaghetti. Like one thing touches another thing. So as we're doing this podcast, right, where I'm saying, all right, well, let's get into the pursuers so we can get into the solution to it. And your brain's getting into the difference between male pursuers and female. Right. It's just two different, beautiful ways of 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 having conversation. And it's so nice that. You know, we get to do this together to role model what most couples experience is like they're talking about the same topic, but they wind up going in different directions a lot yeah. of times. So we do a lot of that on the podcast too. it. Hopefully that's normalizing for all our listeners. And it drives George crazy a little bit. <laughs> and I'm sure it drives you crazy when I want to be on focus. It, like, wait, this is the target. Why are we talking about this? And again, it's, it's, I, I need you. This is a universal. I need you. Uh, I issue need for you. everybody. I need, I need you to help too, me focus. Right. Thank you. I like, I like that you can get creative and let your juices flow and they go in different places and you don't have to color inside the lines all the time. Sometimes you got to color inside the lines. Sometimes you go outside the lines. But and you know, don't you think I've gotten a lot better as we've worked together for the years? I think we both work pretty well with each other. We balance each other out. Yeah. But if I could do my thing and get us back to the <laughs> point okay. of these fears okay. that pursuers have, fears? right? Yeah. Of, Okay, one last little spaghetti comment. I, I don't want it to be competitive, like women have it worse than men or anything. I, I just hear that from women, and I did want to express that and affirm that I get that piece. Not having a peer group that affirms you. It's what the energy wants to do, right, of a pursuer. Is it wants to be seen. It wants to be known. Yeah. Right? You know well what it's like. Yes. You spend many of your whole life in this space. And it's often not seen and understood. So when you get a chance where you can speak to it, of course, your body wants to take it. And I think that's such a healthy thing to do. Okay, thank you. So sexual pursuers, all these fears being too right. much. And it's, it, if it ended with the fears, that would be bad enough. It, it sucks for anybody to be rejected. But that's just usually the start of the process for pursuers because they get angry to protest 
And then their partner like just shakes their head and walks away. And then they're left with all that energy that oftentimes turns inward, right? And it, it starts to become self-critical. Like you're ugly. Maybe you're not a good lover. You maybe have bad breath. Maybe you come too quick. You know, maybe there's something wrong with you. This is what your mom said. And this is where the shame shows up, mm-hmm. right? This is where, you know, the self-criticism, the self-contempt, the self-hatred can, can mm-hmm. show up. And usually nobody's seeing this inside the pursuer. Mm-hmm. So we, we, being able to access that and being able to, I mean, the beautiful thing about emotions is not only does it tell us the problem, but embedded in that is the solution, right? If, if I'm criticizing myself because I feel like I'm too much, you know, being able to get my partner to reassure me that, no, it's healthy that you want these things. Yeah. Right? It's the cycle's fault. It's not your fault that you want to express yourself and be seen. I love that about you. Like that reassurance to the fears is the missing ingredient. When pursuers get that, when they don't feel like they're too much, it's so much easier to initiate and reach out in these healthier ways instead of these very critical, angry ways. So we need to be seen and we need our partner to see it and to be empathetic to it and caring about this peace that has been rejected as we begin to heal. Right. And when that can be reassured, the fears, then it really sets the stage to the true solution to the sexual cycle, right? Which is that longing in the, in the desire, in the erotic mind, which is to be met, right? I want you to get as excited as I am. Right. When you can show up for me in that place, that's where we get a positive sexual cycle. Yes. But you can't get, a lot of people try to get the behaviors and the actions when they never really address the emotional vulnerabilities mm-hmm. underneath, right? That then stop that from happening. So, yeah. Yeah. So it is, and I, I so appreciate you saying this that certainly the sexual pursuer needs sympathy for their plight and for what they have longed for and how they've been rejected for the years. But yep. without the reciprocal energy coming for them, they don't necessarily heal. I mean, it, the, the relationship doesn't heal. It doesn't change. Yep. And so it has to be more than, wow, I'm so sorry I haven't met you there. I get how hard that is. You know, I really see how I've let you down. It, it, the person has to have action that is sexual. Yes, there are two longings. There's the longing and the emotional peace that needs reassurance, comfort, and love in broken places. And then their second longing is the erotic longing that needs to be met in this energy that's pretty cool and awesome and exploring and curious. And that, you know, so those are the two longings of a pursuer. Yeah. Well, let's come back and talk about the sexual withdrawers and the fears that they have and what they need in order to heal the cycle, because we're not saying they're just the cause of the cycle. Sometimes what happens is this thing takes on a life of its own and they shut each other down. So let's come back to that. Uber Lube, it's a luxury lubricant. Can you say that three times fast? Uber Lube, luxury lubricant. You know, basically it's pure silicone bliss. It is made from superior ingredients. It has skin-soothing vitamin E, and it goes on just like natural moisture, and it lasts a long time. There's no drip. Their glass bottles are truly beautiful. You can leave them on your bedstand. I do. No problem. Nobody notices. 
and it's basically like this thin, slippery silicone formulation. It reduces friction, which is great, but it doesn't reduce sensation, and it stays slippery long enough for lasting pleasure. They have travel-friendly toughened glass bottles. You can slip it in your gym bag. You can slip it in your purse. You can be ready whenever. Try UberLube, the silicone lubricant, at uberlube.com. Use the code FORPLAY for 10% off. Really, it is the best lubricant on the market. All right. Here comes these sexual withdrawers. The flip side of the coin. Right? The pursuer is getting the message there too much. Well, guess what? The withdrawer is getting the message that they're not enough. They're yeah. failing. They're coming up short. They don't have desire. Their body's broken. They're always disappointing people. Mm-hmm. They're not There's the porn star. There's something wrong with them, right? You know, they're not this big energy person with sexual energy, and so they're, they're really bad. Not enough. I, I think, too, a very specific sexual fear, not necessarily generated by their partner, but that comes into play in the cycle, is their fear of intensity sexually. Mm-hmm. And being out of control. And of course, what does their pursuing partner want? Intensity and Let being go. out of control. Like, oh, you know, so that's how it gets wrapped into the cycle. But I think inside, sexual withdrawers sometimes like sex. And they, t- they're, it's like their window of tolerance. What they can manage might be a much smaller one that, than their partner can manage. And, and they don't know themselves how to go further with that ability to to go toward that place of being out of control of having it be really intense either you know sexual ex- like sensation that's super intense or even emotional connection in sex like when their partner is just looking at them and wants to see them orgasm and is just like all about the it's like that can just feel like woo so much energy coming for me. I, I don't know what to do about this. They they can pull back. That pulling back, that freezing, right? It's just mm-hmm. a response to that threat. I, I like how mm-hmm. you're that need to control because they don't want to fail. They don't want to let their partner down because mm-hmm. it sucks to let your partner down, but it's even worse to start thinking because it's my fault. I'm not enough for somebody, right? That, yeah. That's nasty. That's the same shame place that pursuers can go to. There's something wrong with me. I deserve to be left alone, right? That to regulate that, they develop these strategies to control themselves. You know, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to get this right. I want to make sure. And they're so focused on everything else but themselves. There isn't a lot of space for that erotic energy to kind of express itself. Right. Right. So I think the first longing is to be reassured if you feel like you're failing, if you feel like you're letting your partner down. Can you get that message that says, I see how hard you're trying? You know, it's not mm-hmm. your fault. It's the pressure of this negative cycle that's created, mm-hmm. right? That you're, you're an amazing person and you keep trying and I love that about you. And mm-hmm. even if you do let me down some of the time, I still love you. I still want mm-hmm. you. We're still good. Like that reassurance. I mean, mm-hmm. the threat in the failure is you're not going to want me anymore because I'm not enough for you, yeah. right? Yeah. We all need reassurance in those fears to resource us, yeah. to kind of make us feel stronger, so then it gives, frees up the energy to start accessing, you know, that second longing, which is, 
who am I erotically? And how do I get more of that in myself so I can bring it into the relationship? Yeah. And one of the ways that I sometimes ask people to picture their sexual withdrawing partner is like they're a bit imprisoned. Like the way, you know, what we need to say, it's not your fault. You know, you've had experiences, maybe there's been trauma, maybe there's just been the chronic loss of not having been touched enough as a child. Mm -hmm. And so your partner is like way behind that, those bars. And I, I mean, I think saying, hey, look, at this is not your fault. I know what you're up against. I get it. You're really up against it, you know, because they are dealing with this sense of, I don't know how to let this part out. I really don't because it's so scary. When I was a child, I, I did need, I allowed myself to need. I, all children need. It's natural to need, but I didn't get it. I didn't get what I needed. Or I got something that I really didn't need. I got trauma. Mm -hmm. I got inappropriate touch. I got molested. You know, I mean, all these things that people can be up against that keeps them locked up inside, not being able to think about being out of control, not being able to think about relaxation and surrendering into the moment. It's like, are you kidding? That is not safe. My needs won't be met. Like ask somebody to give me an orgasm. Are, are you out of your mind? I, I can't even ask for a hug, you know, because I, I don't have that confidence that people want to touch me. I mean, I think sexual withdrawers are often really behind the bars. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an important image. And these withdrawers, for good reasons, have this ton of pressure on them. And we know pressure doesn't do well for accessing sexual energy. Mm -hmm. So if you zoom out, both the pursuer and withdrawer, the root of the problem is the shame. Right, they're both getting messages of not enough, too much, mm -hmm. and the shame says you're right. It's your fault why this is happening. Mm -hmm. Right, the antidote to shame is compassion. It's connection. Mm. What so happens in most relationships is people hide these parts of themselves. They feel this over and over again. These messages, but they don't know how to communicate it, and they suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. So if we can get them to just see the value in, in sharing these places, it's so counterintuitive to want to share the worst parts of who you are because your partner's already rejecting the best parts of who you are. Right. But if you don't right. share it, you're never going to get responded to. And every time you don't get responded to in these places, those fears just grow. Mm -hmm. Right. So we know we've seen it thousands of times with couples. When people show up for their partner in these places where we need love the most, the relationship changes. It becomes so much safer, so much stronger. It's so inspiring to see what love can do in these dark places, mm -hmm. right? And, and we need that as a safety to then be able to access that sexual energy. I think too many couples try to get to the sexual energy when this big fire, all these fears and hurts get in the way of being able to do anything with it. So if you meet that first longing, you give the comfort and reassurance, it then gives the space to access the erotic, kind of dark, kind of more powerful part of that being that there just hasn't been a lot of space for it to come out. Yeah. Uh, preach it. Preach it, baby. That It is good. It is good. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it is this place that we enter finally in relationship with our partner. And we have made war on the negative cycle, right? We've said, fuck mm -hmm. the cycle, that's killing us. And we're, we're saying, 
what is beyond this? Who are you? Exactly. What blocks you? And we bring the compassion to our partner's blocks. We begin to see them not as our enemy, not as somebody who's trying to withhold from us or trying to drown us and that we're going to be annihilated by their need for us, but, you know, as their own issues. Like, okay, this is, you know, touch is the way that you feel connected. And when I don't touch you in this way, you are like lost. You are just out there. You don't feel me. You know, my love doesn't go in. All the things I do for you, it just, yes, it, you know, it, it helps, but it doesn't really meet you the way you need to be met, where your core, your center feels my love and my connection, you know, so, or the other way around, right? I, I know that you're behind those bars and you too would like some freedom, and you can't get there. And you don't even know what this freedom looks like. You don't even know what it would be like to come out and join me and feel the sunshine and the light and the joy of your body. Like, oh, my God, I, you know, I, I can have so much compassion for that. Yeah. And to be free to explore, to be curious, to be in that green brain. You can't be in a fire. You can't be drowning in fears and hurts. That's right. why it's so important that couples learn to get help and to see that help and reassurance in these places is the God's design. This is the way it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to face threat and fear alone. Mm -hmm. And yet for so many couples, that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like those three steps. The first one is you got to start seeing the bigger picture. You start to see the cycle. You start to recognize it's the one causing all this. Both of you are losing. Mm -hmm. And the second place is, all right, now let's... Let's start helping each other with the pain and the fear. Let's resource each other. Let's reassure each other. And yeah. that frees up the energy for that third and final part, which is, all right, now let's see if we can explore you know, this erotic energy, if we can share it, if we can show up in those positive ways with each other, which is what great lovers can do. They can really just open up and surrender and become part of something bigger themselves, which is really pretty beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the other side of the cycle is, you know, hot sex and where somebody feels safe and where the other person feels the excitement that they need. I saw a couple, I just want to end on a really happy note. I saw a couple and they were so shut down. They had come from a background of sort of very constricted beliefs. And so they had not had sexual experiences outside of each other. But unfortunately, they came into a marriage with constricted beliefs, you know, and they had very tight boundaries about what they could try and what they could do and how they could even express themselves in the sexual moment. You know, and that had carried on for a good 20 years by the time they got to me. And they were at this point of wanting to break free from this constriction and and they wanted to have what they believed their relationship deserved which was more erotic freedom and they both believed that but one was a little ahead of the other as is often the case mm -hmm. and you know was pushing for like look at we got to get there and the other was like anxious you know i i don't know what going there would even mean i don't know what it would mean for my beliefs i don't know what it would mean 
for us, I don't know if I'll be able to. I mean, just tied up. And the other one was like, you know, fearful. Like, what if I have to tap out of this relationship? You know, because I, 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 I have to have this. And fortunately, they were able to really break through. And I, I just remember the moment the sexual withdrawer started listening, like really deeply started listening to their sexual pursuer and just said, you know, like, got it. This is what you feel. And, yeah. and it was like there was in that moment freedom. And then they started experimenting sexually. So it was more than just being seen. And, and I, I would say the sexual pursuer was gracious and merciful and knew where his partner had come from. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, was not angry and bitter, but, but was decidedly on a course of, yeah. you know, we need to have this. And then the sexual withdrawer just said, you know, let's try this, let's try that. And they started to report all these sexually free experiences that they had. And it was like, it was enviable, George. I mean, it was enviable. You know, it was like what they were experiencing was so beautiful at this stage in their relationship and so sexually exciting. It was like, wow, this is great news. It's what fills us up with hope. Yeah. To know that people can find themselves in these places. And, you know, what is better than that? So what I'm taking out of this, and I don't think I've ever been as clear, and that's why we love these podcasts as we try to kind of deepen and distill and get more specific. But in going deeper, there really are two longings. That first longing is to be comforted and reassured in these fearful shame places. That's the antidote to not be alone, to bring connection in. And then once you get that, you can break free for the second longing. Mm-hmm. The second longing is the positive curiosity, the exploration to be met by somebody else on a journey to play with you. Yeah. Right? It's such an amazing thing to get that. Yeah. So that's our hope for you all. Get these two longings met. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot, y'all. Go play. I would love to invite you. This is women only, but we are having a retreat in Asheville on November 10th through the 12th. And it's going to be a slumber party. And so we're going to like all stay together in the same cabin. It's a beautiful space. And we're going to have meals brought in and made. And and we know who the chef is. And so it's going to be wonderful. Maybe drink a little bit of wine if you'd like to. And we have kind of some talks and time to work together on your sexuality. So the whole goal of this Women's Sexuality Retreat, the slumber party, is to basically enhance and develop yourself, your erotic self inside. So we're going to be talking about anatomy and physiology and sexual attachment. We're going to talk through blocks, you know, what stops us? What are the breaks against our sexual expression? And then what are our gas pedals? What are our turn-ons? How do we open up more sexually, like with enhanced sexual pleasure? And we're going to talk about orgasms and role play and using toys and fantasies and some stuff. And each night we're going to have a pajama party where we just relax and sit around and talk on the deck and hang out together. And and then on Sunday morning, we're going to set our focus and have concrete steps toward sexual engagement with our partners. Sounds pretty awesome, Lori. And all the men, don't worry about it. Maybe we'll have like a Spartan camp out somewhere, have a couple (laughs) beers and, you know, we'll do our own version of that someday. (laughs) 
would be great. So love to invite you. I will post it on foreplaysextherapy.com under resources, and there will be the retreat, the scheduling events, and you can link and figure out if you can make it with us on November 10th through the 12th in Asheville. Okay, so tell us about your cutting-edge training that you're doing on success and vulnerability? Lori, we just keep pushing it, coming up with a new module on the playbook of a pursuer, playbook of a witcher, really practical moment-by-moment moves of what a therapist can use. You know, we're so focused on what's happening in session. Enough there's talk about theories and these global things. We, I think most therapists are looking for, what do I do in this moment? Give me a tool, George. So that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I am so glad you guys are doing this work. I think it helps us be organized to see you do it. You do demos, you do explanations, teaching. It really is interactive. And I think that so many trainings that we sit through don't give us an opportunity for that. So what you're doing is really important. No, we try to emphasize the teach it, show it, do it model of learning. You need to have some ideas, so we try to teach those. And then we try to show what it looks like implementing those ideas. But most importantly, you now got to practice it. That's how they become yours. And that's what we want our, our listeners and watchers to do is become their own moves. Find George and his teaching at successandvulnerability.com. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media.